the religious people with whom that will come into contact, most people will think, if they're religious, that they're good enough to get to heaven. And it's here as they're trying to be justified by what they can do. Um, you're going to obey the divine laws. You're going to go through the um, various ceremonial ordinances that might be connected to that religious belief. But here Paul puts right before them, it's not by the works of the law, but it's through faith in Jesus Christ. So we want to outline that tonight. We want to talk through that where we looked at last week, looking at gospel specifically, that um, heaven is a free gift, is not earned or deserved. Now, and I know I, I overset it last week, and I'm going to say it one more time and hopefully not again. Please understand there are different angles, and in two weeks we're going to look at some of those different angles by looking at stories that we could tell about Jesus and coming in at a person and sharing the gospel. Um, but here we're setting the course, assuming that a person believes it's through, through works, believes it's through what they can do, then we go through these, these steps. And as I said last week, we shouldn't preach about Christ until a person realizes they're a sinner. Well, if they already realize that, and Pastor and I we were talking a bit on that, um, the adulterous woman, you know, Jesus didn't go and convince her of her sin because I think she already got that. Um, but we want to make sure that a person understands that they're a sinful condition um, before we move forward. So Jason and I have a little skit that we would like to do for you. It's just really picking up the first point that we picked up last week. Um, I'm going to be the unsaved person. You're a saved person, right? <laughs> No, it's reversed. He would have to do more talking. Here's the setting. Um, and I get it, it's fabricated, you know, so we're trying to make it as, as fluid as possible. Um, and so the, we've built a relationship. I work with him at PSEG. Um, you didn't know that, did you? <laughs> um, so we're partners at PSEG. We take our lunch together and we have for about two years. He's new to the group. I'm the vet here. Um, so he's joined us two years ago and we've been building bridges. So I know about his family and, and he knows about mine. So that's the setting. Um, we're already intentionally having built bridges. So we're now just coming together on a Monday lunch break. Um, we're the only ones there. We're, are we in the trailer or are we outside? We're in the trailer. Uh, trailer is air conditioned. You want to be in the trailer. I got you. All right. So we're in the trailer and I... You know, I got my lunch open here, and he's trying to take it like normal. Um, but I say something like to him, hey, bro, how was your weekend this past week? You have a good weekend? Yeah, I did a good weekend. Spent a lot of family time, went fishing. Uh, my mother-in-law came over. My kids love when my mother-in-law comes over. It was a good weekend. How's she doing? We, we've been praying for people at the church and I. I know that she just lost her husband, and we've been praying for her. How's she doing? Uh, we all have our good days and bad days, but she's getting through it, and I appreciate the, I know she appreciates the prayers. Good, good. And uh, how about uh, your weekend? I know you do uh, all those church things. Yeah, we do them once in a while. And we had an awesome weekend. You know, we had um, Saturday. It was a little busier than normal with church, but that was a good thing. Uh, we had 25 people out at our, we, as I told you about the faith farm that we own, and then the youth pastor's property, so we had a bunch of work and clean up out there. So it was, a, it was just neat to be with church family and just spending time with them and then uh, Sunday was a normal great um, challenge from the word of God and in the book of James uh, I don't know if you ever read that and then you know I do small group on Sunday night we had eight guys it was really it was really great to have everybody together um, you, you don't go to church though huh no I, I don't see the need to go to church you don't see the need have you ever been to church I've gone to church a few times when I was younger okay um I think I remember you once telling me you had a family member that was uh, what, a Jehovah's Witness or... Uh, I guess you could call it a, the Christian cult, but, uh, you know, kind of turned me up from the whole thing. 
Okay. Uh, I felt like I can do it all myself. I don't need a church to... Uh, to do what yourself? Uh, be a good person. Okay. Just do the great things. Just do what I need to do. Uh, you know, don't lie, cheat, murder. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'm good. Well, you know, let me... Can, can we talk a moment on that? And I know we only have like 10 minutes. Actually, about three minutes. Um, we'll, we'll talk maybe another time. But, you know, I, I just want to say, you know what the purpose... And I know you... You know, you don't go to church. Can I just say what the purpose of our church is? Um, sure. <laughs> you don't have a choice. I'm going to take your lunch if you don't. Agree. <laughs> you know, the purpose of church isn't, you know, isn't rules. Isn't, you know, that they want to get our money. You know, it wasn't, isn't, it really is, it's a relationship. You know, and, and I talk about our family. You know, I think I mentioned that to you on previous occasion, our church family. But church is really a relationship with God, number one. You know, I, I get to know him. Um, we, we want to help people to know him. We want people to have a relationship with him. Um, and, and it sounds like you think you could, I know you believe in the next life, we've talked about that, um, that you could get a relationship with God through good works. Is that what you're saying? Absolutely. I mean, the Ten Commandments, all I gotta do is follow them. Follow the commandments. Like I said, don't kill someone, I'm good. Why, why would God turn me away? You've, um, anybody, you ever dislike somebody? Of course. You know, the Bible says, Jesus says that to uh, hate somebody is to murder them. Um, or he even says, you know, if you lust, look upon a woman and lust, you commit adultery. Um, you ever steal? I mean, I know you never steal anything from PSEG, but, um, <laughs> you know, the point is... I walked away with your pencil last week. I know that. And I'm pretty upset about that. Would you bring it back tomorrow? My wife gave that to me. It's a special pencil. Um, number two... Um, but you know what, seriously, you know, Jay, um, we understand that, that, you know, what you're saying that it's through what you could do, you're a good person. But would you be surprised to know that the Bible says it's not by what we can do. It's, it's not by our, our standards. Um, the Bible says that, that heaven is a free gift. Um, the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Um, God has a radically different approach than what people say. It's not by what we can do, but it's, it's a gift. You ever hear of that before, that, that heaven is a gift, eternal life is a gift? No, no, the way I was brought up was that it had to be earned. You had to give so much money to the church or do so many hours, and you had to, uh, and it's all done by works. But I mean, just, just think through that. You know, I know we, we need to get back shortly here, but think through it's not by works. There's another cool verse in the Bible. Um, For by grace are you saved through faith. And that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. Not of works, lest any man should boast. So God's not going to have people standing in heaven and say, Oh, buddy, you know, they're going to, God says, What should I in my heaven? Well, God, let me just, you know, whip out just a couple hundred thousand things that I've done here. Do you have like 25 days, 24 7 to me to show you? We're not going to boast, you know, but because heaven is a gift. Your son, what did you tell me you gave your son this past Christmas? Was it a, a Philadelphia Eagle jersey, I think? Oh, that would never happen. <laughs> you <know> that day. <laughs> Unless we were doing a bonfire. No, I gave him a, a Minecraft Lego set. Okay, so imagine your son pulls out all of those Legos, and he's really pumped about them. Oh, Mom and Dad, thank you so much. I'm sure it was from your wife, not you. Um, but let's say that he was to be so thrilled over that. Then at the, he pulls out a piece of paper. He says, well, what's this, Dad? Well, that's just some things that Mom and I came up with that you kind of need to do around the house to be able to earn this present that we're giving you. And well, what is this? So you got to vacuum out 
you know, your room every, every week, and we want to vacuum around here, you gotta also wash dad's car, come. Would that be a, a gift? A gift to me. But, but you see what I'm, what I'm after? It's the same thing you're, you're saying to God. Oh, you know what, I'm gonna, I'm gonna work my way to heaven, but yet he's talking about a gift. Anyway, we can go more on this, but that's just, thanks buddy. Did you wanna say anything else? I don't want it to, to, to make it seem like this is robotic and this is what, the way you have to do. As we build rapport, we build a relationship with someone. Maybe you would jump in and tell them the story of, um, you know, this. he's not a religious guy, but let's say he's, he, he does go to church all, every, every Sunday. Um, maybe Luke chapter 18, the story of Jesus with the Pharisee and the tax collector. You come in at a different angle. Um, and, and we'll talk about that more in a, in a couple of weeks. But it's more of my, my intent and my desire that we get there really are some major concepts that, or I'm sorry, gospel truths that need to be shared in the gospel. And I think one of them certainly is that, that heaven is, is something you don't work for. Um, it was driven home in Paul's theology and Jesus' stories. It's not something that we could earn. It's not something that we deserve. So I want, I want to look tonight and talk about, about man because I think that's the next major step that has to happen, um, you know, that a person needs to understand that they're a sinner. I'm not, again, I say next major step, but I think that has to be understood before a person um, will go to to, 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 um, to Jesus. Let me, let me illustrate it. Bob, you mentioned in our prayer time Tuesday um, that today you had um, a procedure. How did that go? Okay, why did you go to the doctor? Why, why, did you, why did you have that done? You had a problem. You see, he saw the need and he went to the doctor. And, and that's all I'm saying is we, we have to make, we get, the people got to get to the point where they're broken. Uh, where they see a need, where they're crying out to God and, and, and to that point. Doesn't mean we have to start with sin. Doesn't mean we have to even start by, by works. They might get that. You know, so don't be crazy redundant and telling them something they already know. But as you're building a bridge and knowing where they are, we want to make sure that they understand heaven is a free gift. It's not earned or deserved. And it has to be that because of the condition of man. What's man's condition before God? You know, is man righteous? Is man um, a, a, an individual that's worthy of stepping into heaven? Is he able to be, are we like the, the Pharisee in that story in Luke chapter 18? Oh, we're good people. We're getting there. No, it's like the tax collector, that, that we understand that man is a sinner. And so some of those verses, Romans 3, 10, and 23, there is none righteous, no, not one, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Um, the soul that sins, it will die in Ezekiel. So the Bible's just filled with this, that it's not by what we can do. Um, Isaiah 53, 6, who knows that verse? Isaiah 53, verse 6, all we, what is it? On him, the iniquities. So how in that verse is an awesome definition for sin? All we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned everyone to his own way. The Lord has laid on. How is there a great definition in sin for that? What is sin? It's really me first impulse, me doing it my way. I'm gonna do it my way. So as we're talking to the person, so my conversation with Jason might take many lunch periods. It may, if, if he asked me, um, 
I can remember various conversations with people taking hours and hours and weeks just hammering home this point that they're sinners because they're religious good people and it's hard for them to see that they're a sinner or their sin's really bad, that their sin is, is disqualifying them from heaven because they'll look at their sin, well, it's just some little white lies that I've done or I haven't really done bad or I haven't done, and that's what Ray Comfort and what I wanted us to get out of it last week of the, of the video clips is to see how he pressed just one point, you know, and that point was that they were sinners and they have to realize that before they they understand they need a Savior. Um, And so when we look in Scriptures and we understand what, as we share with people, all have sin, um, there's none righteous, and what sin is, we want to share that with people. Um, So what happens if they say, well, I'm a pretty good person? I mean, again, um, whether you tell a Jesus story uh, whether you tell, um, use Paul's theology as propositional statements, but you want to keep hammering home this point of, of, of how they're not as good as they s- seem to be. Um, gently saying that, of course. Um, there are sins of omission and there are sins of commission. Commission is what are sins of, that we might commit? Okay, lying. lying, cheating, stealing, and then the Ten Commandments and on you go. So as we share that for people to understand that, you know, so well, like sins of, 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 of commission or sins that we fail to do. Maybe things that, like, we, maybe we should have read the Bible. Maybe we should have helped that lady by the side of the road as we zoom past them. Maybe there are other things and on and on it goes. Maybe we should have helped our parents. Maybe we should have done something special, made a meal for somebody. So, so we look at all of these sins. Pastor said a couple of weeks ago about you know, probably sinned five times just before the morning. Did someone ask you, was that really true? I, I assure you it was probably 10 times. Um, no, <laughs> but you know, but say if, you know, and I often have used an illustration like this to the person so they understand the gravity of their sin, um, that, that they get it because that, again, the Pharisee wasn't getting it, but the tax collector was such an awful person. He was broken and he understood his need. And if so if you're speaking to a Pharisee to say something like, imagine if you were to sin just five times a day, times 365 days a year, and you lived to be 80 years old. How many sins do you have? Go ahead, you're good with math. <laughs> so here, you say to the person, here if you sin, just, if you were, you would be practically an angel if you sin just 10 times a day. So here you're, you have 140,000 sins. You stand before God and you say, I think I'm good enough to get to heaven. Again, in another angle you could say, um, you know what, let's say that, that you do want to get to heaven without what I'm about to propose. You can do it. You could get to heaven without the way that I'm about to propose. You know what that way is? Matthew 5:48. Be ye perfect as your Father in heaven. Go ahead and never sin. Of course, you would have just outlined everything that they've done. So again, my, my point is, is I, if the person is fighting me, is battling about their sin or they're not that bad, I, I'm, I'm not going to move on and get them to pray some prayer. Um, I referred last week to easy believism. Let me pause for a moment and if I wasn't clear what I meant by easy believism. Easy believism is where 
you quickly share the gospel with somebody because you're zealous, you're evangelistically zealous, you have a tender heart, you want to see people saved or whatever your motive is. And so you quickly tell them, you know, it's not by what you can do. Um, you understand that Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sins and rose again. So would you like to pray a prayer right now and be sure you're going to heaven? Just repeat it right after me. And so you go through that, but, but I'm not saying that can't be genuine prayer. I mean, a, a genuine decision. I'm just saying I, I have a lot of doubt, and, and if I was at liberty, which I absolutely am not, I could share stories of people um, in the last couple of years or, you know, over, over my ministry where, you know, I sat down, they had prayed some prayer, but they were absolutely clueless what that prayer was because they didn't understand. You mean, I can remember the guy saying, you mean I can't get to heaven by works? Well, but what did you mean by accepting Jesus? I don't know. I just was, somebody led me in, a, in some prayer. Um, so, so we really want to make that clear, you know, that it's, that it's not by what one can do, but it's by, again, we're going to get to by what Jesus has done. Um, and as we move on, let me, again, I'm, I'm, I'm being quick here, um, and, and I don't mean to be. If I'm talking to somebody about this, you know, it could take, it could take a year. They just keep hammering and, and, and much prayer and, and if you're sensing that they're not anxious to listen anymore, to back off a little bit, keep praying and see when God would bring open, open the door again. Um, I, I often will talk about, about God and my, and my approach. I don't know that you're gonna see many tracks do that. And I'm purposeful why I want to do that. Um, but maybe you can answer it. Why is, why is it important that we have that we talk about God. And what I mean by that is, ready? That God is love, but God is just. Um, again, it doesn't have to be both, but I think, it's, I think it's key. What are your thoughts? Why is it important to talk about um, the concept of God? Where does most theological heresy come from? Really, it's gonna be a wrong understanding of God, and, and it's gonna be a wrong understanding of Jesus Christ. But when we talk about God, it's going to be meaningless if, if we're pressing them on their need for Christ, if they're going to say, well, you know, they're going to filter everything through this box. Well, God is love. So what that I'm a sinner? I mean, God is love. God loves all of us. Isn't God love? Yes. You know, God, that's what we believe. He's love. And so we're, we're, going, to, we're going to filter that. Or a person may say, okay, Christ died. That's great. But God is love. I know that there's no such place called hell because God is love. You know, so, so that concept is out there, and that's true. John 3, 16, 1 John 4, 8. Again, I, I realize that we're every day is further and further from our Christian foundation. Um, but if people have an understanding and heard about God, or my God wouldn't do that, or my God, I like to talk about love before I talk about justice, and I do that purposely. Because to get right in a judgment, maybe they're going to have a wrong picture of God. That God is a God of wrath and anger and just wants to whip everybody to hell. So I, I do begin, you know, God is an awesome God. God is a God of love. Um, and if I have a lot of time and we're shooting a breeze on, the, on this lunch, lunch hour, I may even give an overview of the Bible, of creation, um, rebellion, redemption, and consummation. Looking at those four, the plan of the scriptures, and just give an overview and just keep hammering home the story of the Bible. Um, maybe I'll tell a Jesus story, you know, of his compassion, his love. The widow of Nain, you know, changed that, that widow's life forever and, and how he healed. So yeah, I'll dwell on love, but I, I, judgment is needed. But don't, I, I, I like talking about that God is love 
and then God is just. Because they need to understand there's going to be a payday. Um, hell's not talked about a whole lot in churches today. Um, but I think people need to understand if you continue on this course of trusting in what you can do and reject what I'm about to tell you, there is going to be a payday. God loved you, and I'm going to show you what, what that love looked like, what he did for you, and how he, he gave of himself in an, in an incredible way. But you need to understand there's also a payday. There's justice. So I would bring that up. What are verses that talk about um, that God is just, that there is, there is a payment that would come? for those that reject him. Any verses? What's that? Okay, Romans 6.23, the wages of sin is death. Okay, there's a payday. Um, I think I quoted Ezekiel 18. I think it's verse four. The soul that sins, it shall die. Or we have those verses behind us, Luke 16. That's the, uh, the rich man and Lazarus parable. Um, Revelation 20 whose every name was not found written in the book of life was cast in the, in the lake of fire. So we, 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 we paint that picture. We get that. We help them understand that. Again, I'm giving it in bullet points, but it may take a lot longer and there may be a lot of other truth that you're bringing in. Um, but I think that it's important that a person understand yeah, God is loving, but there's also God is just. So we got a pretty serious problem to this point in the conversation. Um, we've been talking and trying to impress upon a person their need for Christ, that it's not by what they can do, um, that they're a sinner, that they've fallen short of God's standard, and that there is a, like Jonathan Edwards' message, sinners in the hands of an angry God, like a spider just by a single web dangling over a fire. That's a pretty dreadful condition. But this is where our hero God steps in. This is where the whole story changes. Um, I think of the story of the tenants, the um, you know, the, um, the, the um, landowner that had tenants and he sent messengers to collect the money and they rejected his son. Well, we don't want people to reject his son. We want them to accept him and understand who he is. So we talk about Jesus. So what are important truths that people need to know about Jesus? Um, if you were to state some, um, what are they? Before I advance the slide, I want to ask you that question. What should be, when we're sharing the gospel with people, specifically about Jesus, what should be shared? He will be shared that they're a sinner and they can't get to heaven. But Jesus is the only way to get to heaven. Okay, we need to share that Jesus is the only way. Okay, is there something else? Doreen said he's the son of God. What's that? Okay, you know what? That's a cool answer. People say son of God. Um, I, I, I think a person needs to understand that Jesus Christ, now they don't have to be able to be a theologian. They don't have to graduate with their doctrine. But I think there needs to be an understanding of who Jesus Christ is. Because if we're going to ask them to put their faith and trust in Christ, who is Jesus? Who is he? Was he just a good teacher that happened to die on the cross? So I always get into sharing the, the gospel specifically about the deity of Jesus Christ. In fact, I think Romans 10, 9 says that. If thou shalt confess with thy mouth that Jesus is Lord, that Jesus Christ is Yahweh, as it says in verse 13, um, where it's the quote from Joel 2, 32. Um, so I think it's important in the gospel that they need to know who Jesus Christ is and what he has done because that changes everything 
when I talk about what he has done. And, and I'm telling you, in fact, I, I, I encourage you. I'll, I'll even challenge you. Go to, go to all churches and find, um, pull the tracks. And if they talk about, um, maybe I ought to be careful. I was going to say, if you find them talking about the deity of Christ, we'll take you out to dinner. Um, but I'm too cheap to do that now. Um, most tracts don't talk about, now ours does, because we were able to write it here. Um, but most tracts won't talk about that Jesus Christ is, is, is God, God the Son. In fact, when people say, as Doreen first said, well, he was the Son of God, I'll say to people, um, I'm a son of God. Is there any difference? John 1.12, but as many as received him, to them gave you power to become the sons of God. I'm a son of God. What's the difference? We know there is. And they'll say, well, I mean, he was, you know, he was perfect. Well, you're right. You're right. Absolutely. So I want them to understand that Jesus Christ is God the Son because what he did for them is about to explode on the pages. God came and died for us. So I think that's important in our, in our conversation. He's not just some good Joe Blow that was a great teacher that made an impact in, in people's lives and performed some miracles that God flowed through him. No, I, they need to understand who he is. Let's turn for a moment to John chapter 1 and then look at um, a couple others. John's gospel is incredible in defending the deity of Jesus Christ and speaking of, of who he is. John chapter 1, verse, 21, um, verse 1. John 1, verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Okay, understanding and looking, uh, I think it even gets more dynamic if you have a person that's accepts the scriptures, take him right on down into verse 13, 14, uh, talks about the word, truth, and who Jesus Christ is, that he's clearly identified the word was truth. Then we look in John 10, 30, I and my Father are one. Um, I know if talking to Jehovah's Witnesses, maybe they'll say, well, he's one in ideology, is well all that he was saying. But again, you stay in the context and you could prove that wrong because the Jews went to stone Jesus. Why? Because he committed blasphemy, saying that he was God or equal to God, that he was God. So we look at John that. We look at um, John 20, 28. Um, I, um, Thomas said to him, my Lord and my God. So again, just, just dwelling on who is Jesus Christ? Um, how can you bring those stories in um, and, and share them in narrative form? Um, we'll talk about that in two weeks, or even in propositional form, bringing all the truth together for people to understand um, their need. But talk about then, what did he do? What, what did Christ do? Um, a verse that I love here is Galatians 2.21. I do not nullify the grace of God. If righteousness were through the law, then Christ died for no purpose. So I'll ask people, well, why did Christ come to earth? And a lot of times they'll say it right. I mean, here, I mean, I know we're, in America we're drifting further from God, but people still have heard, well, he came to die for our sins. What do you do with this verse and what they said? If they said they thought that, like Jason said earlier, well, I can have a relationship with God through just being a good person. How does this verse bring them face to face with that? How can you use this verse with the person that said that? Any thought? How can you use Galatians 2.21 with somebody that thinks is by what they can do to get to heaven? To ask the question is really to answer it, isn't it? Because if 
we can get to, go ahead, Mike. No, I'd rather hear from you. Yeah, yeah. I mean, pushing right back up to heaven. Jesus, we don't need you. We got this covered. I mean, don't, don't, don't sweat your blood here. We're, we're good enough. You see, we would make it empty. If I could be saved, then I just have put a big X over what Jesus has done. But it's because we couldn't, because we talked about our condition. You see, now we're able to go back to all the bridge building, all the conversations and all the stories that we have hammered home their condition before God and that they've gotten to understand that they're the tax collector. And now they understand that if I could be saved, then, then I'm canceling out what Christ has done. So I like showing verses that just hammer home the, the truth of who, what Jesus Christ has done. Whether, again, it's, it's uh, stories as Christ with Nicodemus. Um, by the way, I should, have, I should have said, John 3 is an awesome um, setting. If I could just bump back, if you would excuse me. When we talk about God, um, love and justice, Jesus does that in the story with Nicodemus. How to be born again. He first talked about for God to love the world in verse 16. Then in verse 18, he talks about those that don't believe they're condemned already. So we have that, that narrative or that storyline, that truth, um, love and justice. But back to um, 2 Corinthians 5.21. For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God um, Christ was made to be sin. Christ took our sin. Uh, what, what key point or idea would be good to communicate that Christ became our sin? What are, what are we after here? Christ was our blank. Okay, um, we're getting there. Um, Doreen is this when a teacher is absent or needs a, Doreen is a substitute. Um, it's, Christ was our substitute what we want to get across and you're right Dawn also we had better get the point drive home the point that he's our sacrifice but we want to get the whole idea of substitute and you see what I'm, what I'm trying to hammer home from substitute here what am I reaching back to the substitute it's not by what you can do he's taking your place it's not, so I keep attacking in all different angles their ideas by what they can do um, I'll talk about gift. I'll talk about eternal life. I'll talk about that Luke 18 story. I'll talk about um, John 3:16 and all that Christ has done. We keep wanting to emphasize not by what you can do, but it's by what Christ has done, right? Um, you've heard that many times. What's the difference between Christianity and all of the other religions in the world is because they're trying to do something, and here our belief is in what has been done for us. Right. So the whole idea of substitution, someone taking the place, um, you could draw it any way you want to. Talk about personal stories. Talk about, um, you, know, you know, Barb, you know, you have maybe uh, you and your sister. Uh, if your sister can't go one weekend to take care of your mom, you'll go up. So you're the substitute for your sister. Or, you know, um, if you're out sick and you get another aide to take your place. Or, you know, we, we understand substitute um, in life. Um, taking the place of something. So Jesus Christ is, is, is our substitute. What are some other great verses that we can look at that talk about what Christ has done for us? Any other verses? Anyone know Romans 5.8? What's Romans 5.8? But God demonstrated. Amen. God demonstrated his love towards us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Revelation 1, 
talks about Christ dying for our sins, and the Bible is just packed with them. But show those verses that they, that they understand, as Dawn said, that Christ was our sacrifice. Um, Peter, 1 Peter 1, 18 and 19, we're not redeemed by, by this, but we're redeemed by the blood of Christ. So keep drive, driving home the point that is by what Christ has done, um, that how a person comes to put their faith and trust in, in Christ. Uh, again, I, I like using stories, Bible stories, personal stories, illustrations to keep communicating truth. Um, you find your own, but one that, that I've often used, and again, you'll, you'll have to find your own, but let's say that my, my name is on this book here. Let's say this book represents all of the sins I've ever committed, okay? I know that uh, some of you might want to think I need, you know, the New York City phone book, right? <laughs> they don't have them anymore, do they? Uh, but let's say that it's microfiche in here and it's detailing everything I've ever committed, every sin from stealing quarters out of my grandma's purse to whatever else I've done in life, which I'm not going to tell you about. Um, but all of the sins, all, all put right here. So this is my life. So I have a, I have a sin problem. It's black. I, here's God. I can't come to God. My sin's blocking me. So how am I going to get rid of this? But then this is Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ came to take my place. And maybe I quote Isaiah 53, 6, all we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned everyone to his own way. But the Lord laid on him, on Christ, the iniquity of us all. Again, you just, just use whatever you, you can, but getting across that, that idea. Um, and do you have to do all of this now? <laughs> I'm just giving you a lot of different angles and things of, of what maybe the foundation you know, could be, um, main um, concepts and truths that need to be shared. Um, so wreck a book of sin. Well, what's, what's one last thing that we need to hammer home and needs to be understood? Can we close up and say, well, that's all I have to say. Great, go away. What's the last, what's the last point that has to be explained and understood for salvation to happen? What? Okay. Um, and what might we call that? Well, um, they need to respond, and we want to call that I think maybe that's called faith. I wasn't clear maybe in my question. I'm sorry. Um, so what, let's talk about faith and what's, what's involved. How does, a person, how does a person get this gift? Um, how do they get the gift? And can, can I, I'm glad we have um, 10 minutes left. I think this is where a lot of, a lot of um, clarity doesn't happen. Maybe because... Um, we don't get to this point as much as we might some of the other points. Maybe a person, uh, there's confusion. Um, but we need to be clear on this so there's not easy believism. What is faith? Uh, we, want, we want to make sure we understand it. What are some verses that we can share? Um, I, I like saying what faith is not so people understand. Um, what is faith not? If a person, if you were to say what faith is not, what is it not? Is it just intellectual? Is that faith? To, to have all the intellectual facts in your head? Is that faith? No, because this doesn't save anything. Um, I might say something like this. I can, I can have all of this intellectual... Let's say um, Alexander Great. He was a great warrior, right, in Greeks. I know that he existed. I know that um, I read about him. I've read illustrations about him. I've read a book about him. Um, and so forth. So, so I, I believe that Alexander the Great existed, right? I have that head knowledge. But I'm not, you ready for this? I'm not trusting him for anything. 
See, a lot of people know about Jesus Christ. Maybe they're watching Chosen. Oh, yeah, I know about Christ, and, but, but they're not trusting him for anything. And that's the key here that we, 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 we want to explain. It's not by, by just having a head knowledge. So what then is saving faith? What, if we were to put it in a definition, what would it be? If saving faith isn't head knowledge, um, it isn't just something, it's not a temporal knowledge. You know, I might cry out and we pray for people's health. Um, praying for people in here, Kathy's sister and, and son, and we, we pray for people that, that, that need Christ. So we might pray for their health. Well, that's health faith. Or maybe you're traveling, you're afraid of travel. That's, that's travel. That's all temporal. I need God right now, like my grandfather when he was in the hospital. Oh, I promise I'll come to church if God just would heal me. God healed him, never saw him in church. Um, that's, that's temporal faith. You know, but we're not talking about intellectual or temporal faith. What is saving faith? Saving faith is trusting exclusively in Jesus Christ as your Savior, plus nothing else. Um, saving faith is trusting exclusively in Jesus Christ that he shed his blood for you and rose again. Boom. That's it. What are verses that, that talk about saving faith? Anyone, want, anyone know Acts 16, 31? Let's turn to Romans 10 as you're um, turning to Acts, as someone might quote Acts 16, 31. If you quote Acts 16, 31, we have a prize for you. <laughs> You don't know what the prize is. <laughs> Acts 16, 31. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. All right? Believe, trust on the Lord Jesus Christ. But by the way, those words are packed. What does Lord Jesus Christ mean? Um, and I think, Lord, we're kicking back to who he is. Jesus, thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins is what Jesus did, and Christ, he's our anointed one. So, so in that phrase, they're understanding who Christ is. Let's look in Romans 10, 9, 9 and 13. I'll have a person um, read this if we've gone through the whole thing, and, and I love when they're at the point, um, well, if it's not by what I can do, then how is it? Uh, or... or I never saw that Christ died for me, or I, I, I never understood. So we get to this point in Romans 10, 9, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Verse 13, whosoever, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So, so it's an understanding that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, that, that Jesus Christ is God, um, that, that he died on the cross for your sins and rose again, if you put your faith and trust in him, not in yourself. Just cry out to him and you'll be saved. You see, we're really inviting the person going back to where we began, we're inviting them to get out of the saving business. We're inviting them to transfer their trust to Jesus, to get out of the, if I had a chair, for example, the Dave Crompton chair and put all of my weight and trust in the Jesus chair. Um, I'm no longer going to trust in what I can do to hold me up. I'm going to trust in what Jesus Christ has done to hold, hold him up. I just want to close with what is the, the, the prayer um, that we invite them to cry out? Um, for me, I'm not saying that you have to do it this way. I just never have somebody repeat after me. Um, I don't want them to. 
um, that is that just that that gives me the the, the willies. Do we still say that anymore? <laughs> I'm dating myself. Um, I, I, because I want to know that they understood it. I want to I want to listen to their words, and and I tell them just just cry out to Jesus what we've talked about. And so it's all, it's going to be a prayer like God. I understand now that it's not by what I can do, but I understand that 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 Jesus Christ is God, that he died on the cross for my sins, and I'm a sinner. God, I'm trusting in you now. I accept Jesus Christ as my Savior. And that is awesome when they're able to just repeat what you have shared with them. Um, people have said, well, what does I pray? Well, just everything that we've talked about over this course of weeks or months or whatever it's been. Um, I'll tell a story after we, maybe. Um, anyway, just any questions on that? Any questions on, on anything that I've talked about tonight? Um, even, even at the end? By the way, if a person has accepted Christ, give them some reassurance. Um, like a verse like John 6, 47. Uh, it's escaping me right now. Someone read John 6, 47. Something about if you believe on me, um, you'll have etern- everlasting life. Would someone read John 6, 47? But just show them afterwards if they prayed. And, and I, I, me, this is again just me, after they prayed, said, I can't, I don't know your heart. If you meant it, I, I trust you meant it, the prayer, the prayer that you just prayed. But if you meant it, if you truly put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ as your Savior, this is what the Bible says about what you have. And I read that in John 6, 47. Someone have that? Go ahead, Sandy. So just giving them that, that assurance. Um, any questions that you have? Um, questions about anything that I've said tonight or points that you want to add or, or clarification that you didn't understand? I'll tell you a story then. I don't think you should have favorite um, um, decisions that, that you've ever had, but can I tell you one of my favorite stories? Um, this, this lady, um, Denise Katz, was coming to a Bible study that we had, and actually goes back uh, a few years. Actually, Jason, you're going to be at my top because of all the joy, so I'm going to say my second favorite. <laughs> um, but with, with his, his name was Jeff, Denise Katz. She was coming to our Bible study talking about her husband and how um, he, he um, wasn't a Christian and she had a burden for him. And in that Bible study, it was really cool, um, Bill and Andrea Loricella also came to know Christ as their Savior, baptized them. They were, got involved in our church. It was just one of those God things, bringing together this Bible study. Well, I happened to meet Jeff sometime, a little bit of, little bit of time later, and um, Hurry liked to play tennis. says, hey, so we started playing tennis together and just built a friendship and started hanging out. And, and, uh, and I approached him one day. I said, Jeff, can we have a a Bible study on what does the Messiah look like from the Hebrew Scriptures, and I promise I won't mention the name Jesus. And he agreed to that. So I would go up every week to his home up in Northport, East Northport on Long Island, and um, just show Scripture and Scripture week in, week out. I'm sorry, he was Jewish, but you probably got that with the name Katz. Um, and so just kept sharing the gospel with, with Jeff. About the fourth week, you know, I'm asking the question, well, who does this sound like? And he says, Wow. That sounds like Jesus Christ. And I said, hey, remember, I said, we're not going to say that name. <laughs> and I just laughed. Um, but week in, week out, so we, we went down. I don't know how many times we met, maybe eight weeks. But this one given week, 
Um, I pull up to his home, and I'm playing the cassette, Steve Green, we have, we have seen his glory. And I'm just sitting there, now and then I'm about to go talk to a Jewish boy, and here are the Jewish boys saying, we have seen his glory, and just praying, God, I just want him to see your glory. Go on that day, and that's the day he accepted Christ as Savior, and I'm just crying, get back out to the car afterwards, and that's where the song, you know, the cassette stops for you the old days, um, and picks up that song, and I just was, was beaming and giving God glory, and it's a cool story as his life went on, and praise God for him, but you know what, we, God wants to use us, um, may God use us, may we be a church that's missional, that's intentional, um, that we pray for people that are spiritually dead, um, that are deaf, that are, that are drunk, is what some of the things the pastor was saying, that we have that list, and say, God, you're bringing people into my life. May I see them. May I be intentional in, in connecting with them, intentional in building bridges. Because it's not easy to sit down and go through like we did in the skit on the first time. I mean, it's, it's as you're building a rapport and that person trusts you and they enjoy you, they'll listen to you. Um, may God give us those kind of relationships to be able to share the gospel. Let's close in prayer. God, thank you for the good news of Jesus Christ. God, we ought to stand up for an hour anthem of hallelujah when we think that we are not blind spiritually, that we get it is not by works that we can be declared or made right with you, but it's through what Jesus Christ has done. And God, that we have had the blindness removed, that we have been plucked from the ocean floor having drowned in our sea of sin and been made alive spiritually. Uh, God, thank you for your grace and your goodness to us. And God, may not obligation drive us, may love, may gratitude, may praise, may thanksgiving drive us to be witnesses for you. So God, I pray as we go forth onto the mission field, as we have lunch appointments and breakfast appointments and and work with people and conversations with individuals, may we strive to bring in the one that means everything to us that has changed our forever, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. We love you and thank you in Christ's name. Amen.